Welcome to a special episode of Don't You Forget About Me, the New Wave Music Podcast. Today, we're honored to be joined by Mr. Fee Waybill from the legendary band, The Tubes. The Tubes, as you may, our listeners probably remember, had some amazing songs such as She's a Beauty. Talk to you later. And white punks on dope. Welcome, Fee. It's great to have you with us today. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, we're really excited to have you, Fee. Um, I guess I'll go with the first question. Um, okay. I understand uh, that you began as a roadie with the tubes be- before becoming the singer with the band. How did that process change? Uh, well, it's true. I did. I, I, I moved to San Francisco as a roadie for Roger Steen's trio. The Tubes are actually two bands from Phoenix that combined. Uh, Roger's band was called the Red, White, and Blues Band. It was a trio, Roger and Prairie, Prince, and a bass player named David. And we moved to San Francisco uh, in 1969, in the fall of 69, because Prairie got a scholarship to the San Francisco Art Institute. And they were a pretty pretty well-known band around the Phoenix area. And uh, and Prairie got this scholarship out of high school. And he said, well, I got, I mean, I got to go. And so, Rod, and I was just a friend. I was a friend of the guys. And I used to go watch them play at the, we had a little club in Phoenix called the VIP Club. And I, I knew them and got to know them. And, and they just asked me, they said, hey, you know, you want to drive our equipment truck to San Francisco <laughs> and and move with us there. And I I was ready. And I just said, I was working at a cattle ranch in in Northern Arizona, being a hippie cowboy. And uh, I said, sure. And so I did. I drove the truck and, uh, and then we moved to San Francisco and Prairie started art school and we had a little house in the Sunset District of San Francisco, and I was the roadie. And I, uh, my, the extent of my roadie knowledge was put the ON switch in the ON position. <laughs> That's about all I knew. I had no clue whatsoever. And, uh, and then later, about, about, gosh, I guess it was about a year or two years later, you know, we used to go back to Arizona when we ran out of money and couldn't find a gig. And we'd go back to Arizona and, you know, there were a lot of gigs to play there. And we'd tell everybody how great San Francisco was and how we were doing so well. And so Bill Spooner's band took our advice and also moved out of Phoenix to San Francisco. And uh, his band was called The Beans. Bill and Vince Welnick and a guy named Bob McIntosh and Rick Anderson, our, our bass player. Uh, so they moved to San Francisco. 
eventually, not eventually, but not too long after that, they've the bass player quit. Roger's bass player quit and decided he wanted to move to Hawaii. They they auditioned a bunch of guys and they couldn't find a bass player. They 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 I mean I remember that we had just one we put an ad in the Haydashbury Free Press <laughs> and uh bass player wanted and uh we had a bunch of guys apply and a bunch of guys audition and nobody was very good and they couldn't find one. <laughs> Finally, we decided, or the, we had a manager, uh, a guy named John Spear or Roger had a manager and Roger and John Spear and Bill Spooner's manager, Lauren were very close and they came up with the ideas to combine the bands. Huh. And uh, we have two lead guitar players and two drummers and, <laughs> And they already had three roadies. And so I, I'm kind of stuck in the cold there. And, and, but I knew during the time they were auditioning bass players, Rogers band, they still wanted to rehearse. And so I would go sing. I, the bass player was the lead singer of Rogers band. So, and I knew, you know, I had been with them for years. So I knew all the songs. So I went down and sang his parts and, uh, and so then when the bands combined, I said, hey, you know, I'm a pretty good singer. Can I be the background singer? And they went, okay, yeah, you can be the background singer. And so I became the background singer. And then over and over, they busted me. They said, you sing too loud. You're a background singer. You're supposed to be blending in with us. You're, you're, you're not, you sing too darn loud. And I said, well, I mean, let me sing lead then. Let me sing us. And they went, well, okay, you can have one song. You can sing one song. <laughs> and so I sang one song. And then I went, oh, okay, well, maybe you can sing two songs. And then, so I, that's the way it went. And I eventually became the lead singer for all the songs. Kind of an audition process for you. Yeah. <laughs> they said, we don't care how loud you sing now. <laughs> there you go. So for me, the tubes have been a great musical influence in my life. Kind of shaped the bands I listen to. I was actually first introduced to your band of all people by my, my dad, who's been a fan since I think 1975 with your album, What yeah. Do You Want From Life? And he got me hooked on White Punks on Dope. And of course, later on, the hits such as She's a Beauty and Talk to You Later. Uh -huh. Who are some of your influences these days? Or back we, then? Well, back then, uh, I mean, I think we were all, we were pretty, our, our music taste was very eclectic. Like our, our all-time favorite band was Captain Beefheart and the Magic oh. Bear. We thought they were the best. I mean, just yeah. and the songs were so weird. And they were, <laughs> I mean, they were, so, we had seen, we saw them live quite a number of times around San Francisco area. And uh, God, they were so great. Zuthorn Rolo and, and uh, Wing Deal Fingerling on guitar. Yeah. Uh, and also Zappa, we saw Zappa quite a number of times back in the Mothers of Invention days, and and that was amazing. And so we were, you know, we and I, I was a big fan of David Bowie and uh, and uh, you know, obviously the Beatles. I mean, I grew up. I, Beatles changed my life. Okay, oh, yeah. I, I know many people say that Beatles changed many people's lives. And but as soon as, as soon as the Beatles came out. That was it. I wanted to be a rock. I wanted to be a singer in a rock band. That's all I can oh, think nice. about. Beefheart and Beatles and Zappa and, and, uh, you know, that it was kind of eclectic. And, you know, we were not huge fans of kind of 
poppy kind of bands. We in, in the beginning, we you know, we wrote all these really weird songs, like it with strange times, you know, nine and songs in seven, and you know, not just your normal four, four, one, four, five kind of songs. And then when we got a record deal, a lot of those songs kind of went by the wayside because you know, they said, you know, we need, we need, we need people to be able to like sing along. And, and so experimentation only goes so far, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the tubes began in the mid seventies, but you guys didn't really have any chart hits until about a decade later, such as the song Steve mentioned, talk yeah. to you later. And she's a beauty. Uh-huh. Was that frustrating as a band or did you ride high on your successes that you did have, especially live? Well, I mean, that was it. It was, it was, we were a live band. Our our reputation was based on live performances and we had Kenny Ortega and we had all these girl dancers and, you know, they love to exaggerate. I mean, they used to say we had live sex on stage. (laughs) What? (laughs) This is not, this is not the Reaper bond. Okay. No, it was just, it was, you know, they were, they were scantily clothed, but we weren't, there was none of that. And uh, so we, we were kind of a cult cult band and we got signed to A&M records on the strength of a video, actually on the strength of a live performance video, not really, you know, because we had sent, cassette tapes out to all kinds of record companies and they all weren't interested. But then when we sent a video to AM, they went, Oh, okay, hold on. And and Herb and Jerry, Herb and Jerry kind of they loved us. We were like their resident cult band. They didn't have any cult bands on AM. You know, they had the Carpenters uh, and Captain and Tennille and uh uh but that kind of wore thin after I think we did five records with AM and our live performance reputation just got bigger and bigger and bigger, oh, yeah. but it didn't really translate to uh, record sales. You know, we had kind of a, we had a, a, a charted song on the second record. Don't touch me there. We had a kind of a medium chart success with uh, don't touch me there. It was crazy. I mean, and we kind of had white. It, it's funny. The first record we did, uh, the tubes record had a had a disclaimer sticker on it saying lyrics on this album contain the word dope. <laughs> and of course, white folks are dope. And then they uh, actually they tried to release a single from the first album. They they re- they edited, you know, what do you want from life? And the whole end of the song. Uh, about with all the you know the commercial type stuff from the 70s if you're an american citizen you're entitled to a hidden kidney shaped pool a microwave oven (laughs) food cook well they the the funny and the interesting part of that song cut it out they went well we want you to come off as like a novelty band and we want you to you know and okay and then so that song did nothing and then they re-released a live version of white punks on dope after the uh, fourth album, the live in London album, What Do You Want From Live? And uh, I don't think that charted very highly either. The, and then on the Remote Control album, the last record we did for AM, they released the single uh, Primetime, 
which was a duet with Reese Styles and I. And that kind of was once again, not a big hit mid chart kind of thing. And uh, so finally they just said, well, okay, thanks. We'll call you. <laughs> and they didn't call us. <laughs> so we lost, we got dumped from the record and uh, from the label. And uh, that's when we went to Capitol in 1980. Uh, Bobby Columbi was an A&R guy at Capitol. And Bobby Columbi, if you'll remember, used to be the drummer of Blood, Sweat and Tears. And so he was... When he heard Prairie Prince, he just went nuts. He couldn't believe it, how great he was. And he talked the company into signing us and put us together with David Foster. That kind of changed everything, pretty much. David Foster was unbelievable. And and uh, he had just come from uh, producing uh, Boogie Wonderland with Earth, Wind & Fire, had a number one song with After the Love is Gone. And so... I mean, that was it. We were off to the races, David Foster. Yeah. And that's when we, we came up with Talk to You Later and had a, uh, although it wasn't released as a single in the United States, it was uh, it was released as a single in the rest of the world. It was number one in 17 countries. But in the USA, they released the ballad, uh, Don't Want to Wait Anymore. Uh, the big ballads were big then in 1980. Yeah big rock ballads. And uh, so they released that. And, uh, and then, I mean, and our whole world changed. I mean, you know, that, that, that changed everything for us. I mean, our, our, our touring got even bigger and it just, we were, we were off to the races. The world finally caught up with you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I saw last year, I think it was on a, on a Facebook post that you performed with Oingo Boingo former members. Their drummer, Johnny Vatos, was just raving about how well you guys sound live still to, to this day. Do you still enjoy playing shows and going out on the road? Oh, yeah, man. I, I'm so jonesing it so bad. I mean, <laughs> with the COVID thing, yeah. I, mean, oh, I mean, we didn't play our last show in, uh, in the beginning of COVID. Our last show was like uh, January 20th of 2020. And we... Uh, we had done a whole lot of shows in 2019 and uh, I don't know, we did like 50, 60 shows and oh, then wow. had a whole lot of shows booked in 2020. And then the whole thing fell, obviously the whole thing yeah. took a dump. And, uh, and so then, so we didn't play the entire rest of the 2020 we didn't play the entire year of 2021 until the fall we went out and when 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 covid was starting to wane uh we went out in october and we did 10 or 12 shows and then uh looking forward to getting back into the groove and then the next variant hit then, then what was it omicron or something yeah. and then that all shut down again and we haven't played since then since October of 90 of two, of 2021, we haven't played a gig. And uh, so we're coming up to again now in June, uh, we're going to, we're going to start on the 16th of this month and play some, some Southern California shows. And then in July, we're going to go to the Midwest. And then in August, we're going to start, you know, we're going to go to, 
Portland, Seattle, Sacramento, Canada, Montana, all <laughs> the rest of the year is just getting filled up day by day, filled up. Uh, oh, good. It's constantly gigs are coming in like crazy now. So <laughs> I can't wait. I I have been a really thorn in my wife's side ever since <laughs> because I, you know, I've been on the stage my whole life. You know, I yeah. just I don't know what to do to sit around at home and you know mow the lawn. I, I, we don't have a lawn. So I don't really. Mind. <laughs> I was going to say you probably have a real well manicured lawn now, but no, no lawn. Man. We have a we have a we we don't have a lawn. We have a big oh, dirt lawn. Well, the um, I saw that you maybe a little bit later in the year are going to be touring with the B fifty twos on their final no. tour, and no. I saw that that seemed like a perfect match. Uh, no. What do you think about joining them for that final tour of theirs? I think it's. I mean, I've always I always loved them, and they were quirky. I mean. You know, very, you know, Love Shack and Rock Lobster. And oh. uh, I mean, I, I always thought they were a very interesting band. And uh, uh, so uh, our manager, we got to we, we've got to we finally hooked up with a great management company, uh, Jonathan Wolfson and uh, Wolfson Entertainment. And he's very good friends with the B-52s manager. And they set this whole thing up. And uh uh, it's going to be great. I think it's going to be really fun. I'm yeah, great combination. Forward. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. So, uh, Fee, if I, I want to go back just a minute to a previous question. You kind of mentioned that one of your uh, influences was Zappa. Now, yeah. I, heard a, I heard a rumor, a story, so maybe you can, since I've got you, I'm just going to ask you if it's true. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I heard the Tubes were playing a festival with Zappa, but Zappa did not want to follow you guys. He actually wanted to go on ahead of you guys. Yeah. It was it was a festival in in England called Nebworth. Okay. Outside of London, a great big festival, and there was like ten. There was Boomtown Rats and Peter Gabriel and oh wow and and Zappa was a headliner, and uh, he knew and we we you know at at the at that time that was like one of the biggest dates we'd ever played and we were pulling out all the stops. And we had this massive production plan, and he kind of got the 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 vibe and kind of came up to us before the show and said, "Look, I don't, I really don't want to follow you guys. Uh, I don't. I know you got a big show planned, and we were going to do Don't Touch Me There. I have a good story about that uh, with a car on stage, and we had built this big ramp to drive a car on this." And he said, no, I don't want to follow this one before you got, is that okay with you? And we went, yeah, yeah, great. You turned into the headliner. That's great. We're the, we're, and there was what, 75,000 people there. Wow. A great big outdoor thing. And uh, so we were going to do, we, we usually did at that point, we usually did don't touch me there with a motorcycle with, with me and restyles sitting on a, you know, usually we'd either rent a Harley or get somebody in town to loan us their Harley. And we'd drive the Harley onto the stage and sing the song with her sitting on the back of the Harley. And I'm singing, don't touch me there. And uh, mm. we decided, you know, we wanted to be, it wanted to be, wanted to, wanted it bigger for this big show. <laughs> and so we rented a Ford Cortina, which huh? is a little dinky English car. <laughs> right? Ford Cortina convertible. And the plan was 
she would drive the car on the stage and I was on stage from the previous song. And then right as the song started, I'd jump over the, the door into the convertible seat and sing the song. So, and this was what, 79, 78, 79, I think Nebworth was. And back then there were no cordless microphones. Mm-hmm. Everything had a cord. And so I'm on the stage with my mic in my hand and I kind of back up stage to let her pull in front of me before. And, you know, as the song is starting, there's an introduct, uh, instrumental introduction to the song. And the plan is she gets on stage and right, right before uh, the first line of the song, it's, ooh, baby, move closer to me. So she pulls onto the stage and I'm standing there and she stops the car right on the mic cord. The the back wheel, the right rear wheel is on the mic cord. And I've got, I've got the mic in my hand and I've got about this much. That's it. I'm at the end of the cord. I've got the mic in my hand and I'm supposed to jump over the car, jump over the door of the car into the passenger seat and have enough room to hand her the mic to, she doesn't have a mic to hand. That's the mic for the show. And she pulls onto the stage during the instrumental intro and stops right on the cord. And I'm, I, oh my God. And I, and I can't, you know, it's, I can't tell her to just pull up a little, okay, baby, pull up a little. (laughs) No. And so I don't know where uh, the, the strength of adrenaline, I guess, I, right before I get ready to, I'm supposed to be jumping over into the passenger seat. I lean down and grab the wheel well and pick up the right rear wheel of the car. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know how I ever did that. I just don't know. And I picked up the car and I kicked the mic cord out (laughs) underneath the wheel and which gave me the, the length. And I jumped into the passenger seat just in time to enter the mic and go. (laughs) It was pure adrenaline. Uh, Pure adrenaline. (laughs) Back then, I was a little, you know, I was like, I was like, what, 6'3", 170, you know? I was, I had been working, you know, like crazy and, and I hadn't even started working out yet back then. And, uh, I don't know how I did it, but well, uh, sometimes you know, as they say, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you gotta do, yeah, gotta do it. So, Steve and I, unfortunately, have never had a chance to see the tubes in concert. We all know that uh, you know we've kind of already talked about it a little bit that the shows you had in the spe- the seventies, especially, were just legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, understandable, of course, you know uh, that you have had to change the show uh, the shows over the last number of years. What can fans expect from the tubes now? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, our first tour, we went out with 35 people. We had eight dancers and seven in the band. We had three male dancers and five women dancers and a, and a seven man band and then an eight man band. Oh, it was insane. And, uh, uh, every, and every, all the crew members, all the crew guys had a part in the show. 
every guy, you, you were either a strong man or a fireman or a jungle, you know, whatever. In White Punks on Dope, everyone was on the stage. And uh, uh, so over the years, uh, you know, various things have happened. But now we have a, we have a, a five-man band. It's four of us are original members that have been okay. together. Gosh, 2020, it's been 50 years. Wow. We got together in 1972. So this is our 50th year together. And uh, actually, we were going to have a big 50th anniversary, but then we thought, no, the first album didn't come till 1975. So in 2025, it'll be 50 years of, of releasing records. And uh, so we thought we'd, you know, kind of milk it, milk it for three more years. <laughs> Well, you know, the tubes, uh, the tubes do have a fervent fan base, of course. Uh, is it difficult to surprise them live? Well, no, it is, and that, I think that's one of the reasons we have such a great fan base. We change the show every tour. We change the last tour. We did the Completion Backward Principle album. We did the whole album in order. And then, you know, uh, uh, and then we, you know, we, and then, you know, the, you do what you got to do white punks on dope. You got to do what do you want from life? You got to do Mondo bondage. You got to do, you know, talk to you later. She's a beauty. And so this tour, we're doing the outside inside album. Wow. And so the show opens with she's a beauty wow. and we go straight through the outside inside album. And, uh, and then, we don't take a break. It's nonstop for two hours. And, and then Prairie Prince does a big drum solo and I, while I'm changing into the next outfit. So so basically it's the five of us and and me. And I'm I'm doing costume changes. I'm doing Koyle nice. and I'm doing, you know, the game show host and, and I'm doing uh the band leader and the sideshow leader and uh so we we've, we we haven't even, we haven't done this yet. This is a brand new show. So our first show is going to be on the sixteenth uh, in San Diego, and uh, so it's going to take a little while to work out. And as we move on through the years, you know, we we we've that's I mean that's what every every tour we do a different show. We do I mean we we kind of get a theme and try to try to continue that theme throughout the show. I mean, we did a uh, Mondo pulp tour. We did kind of a, a pulp fiction oh, tribute wow. to Quentin Tarantino's show. <laughs> that was before completion. Back and then before that, we did like a tribute to Federico Fellini. Oh, nice. A Fellini show called uh, La Dolce Vita. And uh, <laughs> we did a bunch of, and then we did a, 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 a a uh, spaghetti western show oh. where we did Ennio Morricone uh, theme, you know, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and for a few dollars more, and all those Clint, East, Clint Eastwood spaghetti <laughs> westerns, and uh, the whole show was kind of themed around that. So we keep doing something different every time. It went, you know, it's not the same as the last time you saw us. It's going to be completely different. A lot of different songs. We dig up different songs, and and uh, like a lot of these songs on Outside Inside, 
we've we've never played live. We never played Fantastic Delusion live ever, or No, Not Again ever, or most of the others. Wild Women of Wongo. Wild <laughs> Women of Wongo. No. <laughs> Oh, so it's we've been rehearsing and uh you know i've been i've i printed out all the lyrics and i'm trying to you know i'm trying we're doing actually we're doing a uh, a foo fighters tribute oh uh, because uh taylor was a friend and oh. uh, those I, I actually sang background vocals on the on the wasting light foo fighters album cuz dave that right dave lives right over the hill from me in Encino, huh. and uh, and uh, so so we're doing uh, we're doing a Foo Fighters song, and uh-huh. we're doing a uh, Elvis Presley song. I <laughs> I just read this great book about Elvis, and I just said, okay, we got to do it. We never we've never done an Elvis song ever <laughs> before, and we were big fans of James Brown. We've done James Brown many many times, and uh, but I just read uh, Last Train to Memphis which is kind of the story of Elvis's rise to fame. It's going to be weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> where are you guys? Where, where are you? Where are you? We're, we're in Salt Lake city. Oh, you're in Salt Lake. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'd where love to have you come through are. someday. I just read the other day that like the Salt Lake is drying up. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's not good. Wow. That's, yeah. That's scary. It's scary. There used to be a club. We played there a few times. What was it called? The Zephyr? Oh yeah, the uh-huh. Zephyr Club. Yeah, long gone. Long gone. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it had to be ten years ago or more that we played there. Uh, yeah, I don't know why that name stuck with me, but do you have a particular song that you enjoy still playing live, or is there one that you've played live recently that kind of surprised you how much you enjoyed it, or going back to it? Well, I don't know. Uh, I guess talk to you later. I mean, talk to you later. Everybody sings along with me on talk to you later. And it's great, and I really enjoy that. And uh, and of course, that that usually our encore songs were "She's a Beauty" and "Talk to You Later." You know, mm-hmm. the encore, and then maybe another couple of songs. Sometimes we do a three or four song encore. But this show starts with "She's a Beauty," so that probably won't be the encore. It'll <laughs> talk to you later, and and whatever else we can figure out. And uh, so that's that's. That's probably the one. That's probably the one. So, yeah, I asked this of pretty much every artist that we talked to. I, I asked uh, the guys in OMD if they ever get tired of playing the same song over and over and over. And they said that they don't because that is who they are, that that, that is what made hmm. them who they are. Um, how, what's your philosophy on that of performing the same songs regularly? Well, uh, I mean, everybody does that. I mean, I guess actually some people don't, some people don't, won't play their hits and, but that just, that's bad feedback. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I played white punks on dope thousands okay, (laughs) over all those years, I never get tired of it. And I always kind of try to try to do it a little bit different, something, something different. That's a quail, that's Quaalude's song. And I kind of, sometimes I really hit the British accent hard and, and sometimes I, you know, change a word or two here or, 
But, you know, I, I don't ever get tired of it because that's what we do. I mean, that's what that's why we do, you know, the hits every show. And we do the the iconic songs like What Do You Want From Life and Mondo Bondage and White Punks on Dope. And and uh, actually, one of my favorite songs is has been like Mr. Hate, which is on completion backward. And uh, but that won't be in this show because it's. But I just kind of lose myself in these characters, and uh, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's, I'm so normal. Normally, <laughs> I'm just so normal. Just, no, not, not eccentric or anything weird at all. But when, when I get on the stage, I go crazy. I go loose. I go crazy. And there's, I mean, who gets to do that? I mean, that's the yeah. greatest thing to just go wild. And it pretty much, I can't do anything wrong. You know, <laughs> I can go, I can pretty much go completely crazy. I, I love uh, it. I like it. I, I really, <laughs> I'm so lucky that I get to do that. You know, I get to break out of, of the mund mundane life that I lead, you know. Although oh, I'm a yeah. pretty happy guy, you know. I'm I I uh, I'm a polo player. I don't know if you knew that. I have horses and I play polo every week. And I get on my horses and I. It's so great. I love my horses. It's great. And I get to go. I belong to the California Polo Polo Club here in Los Angeles and. Uh, it's great. I get to go tomorrow. I mean, on Saturday, I'm going to haul some horses on Saturday and then go play polo on Sunday. And oh, nice. uh, it's really fun. I, I grew up on a horse, actually. My father was a riding instructor in Scottsdale, Arizona. And my brother and I grew up on horses. We had, you know, when I was six years old, I had a horse. I had a horse to ride and we had a stable and we had a arena and we did horse shows. And I mean, I was uh, up until I moved to California with, with Roger and Prairie, you know, I was on, a, I, I even, I, you know, I moved to Northern California and got a job on a cattle ranch riding the range and being a cowboy, you know, <laughs> I was like dream come true. <laughs> Um, we, you know, we haven't heard a album of new, you probably get this asked all the time, but we haven't heard a, an album of new material for a while. Any plans for the tubes putting out something new? We've been working on stuff for years, you know, and we do have a few things in the can right now. And uh, so I don't know when it'll, it'll happen. I have no idea. It'll probably take another 10 years, maybe. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we hope it's not I mean, that but, long. But everybody, I mean, like, Roger has his solo album. I just released a solo album with Richard Marks uh, oh, yeah. last year. Uh, Fee Way Bill rides again, and uh, and and actually Prairie's got a kind of a drum centric kind of a album. I don't know. Everybody is kind of into their own thing, and everybody lives. You know, I live in L.A. Roger lives up in up in the East Bay area. Prairie lives in San Francisco still. Rick lives way out in Merced or no Modesto Merced. It's way, it's in the middle of nowhere. And Dave lives in uh, Santa Cruz. So, I mean, it's difficult to ever even get together, you know, so it's spread out wherever everybody's spread out and yeah. uh, working on their own projects. So I know that there's, let's see, one, two, 
Roger just sent me another one. So that's, and there was two before that. We probably have five songs. We probably have five songs in various stages of completion. And uh, so, you know. Well, there's an EP right there, possibly. There's an EP right there. <laughs> well, I have the last couple of questions here. I'm going to change the, the pace or not the pace, but the subject just a little bit. Okay. Um, along with singing, you've done some acting. Um, yes. As a matter of fact, I just plugged in Xanadu last night just to watch it again. And I, I thoroughly enjoy your performance in that. Uh, do you enjoy acting and is anything on the horizon? I do enjoy it. Although Xanadu, in Xanadu, we, uh, I didn't actually act. We, no. we did a song, but yeah. I, I have, let's see, 98 I started. So it's been like 20, 22 years. I work at a theater. I, I like the stage. I mean, hmm. That's where I, I love to act. I, I'm not really a guy in front of the camera guy, although I did the the Stains movie, the ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous Stains with Laura Dern. And but uh, I work at a theater in it's a summer stock theater in Michigan. It's called the Barn Theater. It's a big milk barn converted into about a 700 seat theater. It's beautiful. And uh, every year during the summer, they do six or eight plays and they have guest stars come in from like Hollywood and from Broadway. And mostly it's, uh, uh, it's an EMC, EMC school, which means an equity member candidate school where they get uh, college kids mostly who want to get into actors equity. And if you perform 50 hours on the actor's equity on the stage, you get to be in actor's equity without having to pay. And uh, so I've done Rocky Horror there about a hundred times, maybe. <laughs> I've done Frankenfurter at least a hundred times. And, uh, and I've done uh, a number of other plays there. And I've done, uh, la actually the last thing I did there was Spamalot. I was gonna uh, ask you about that, yeah. The, Spamalot was the greatest play mm. I ever did. I played King Arthur. It is spectacular. And I mean, I had so much fun. We did it, you know, like eight shows a week for, for two weeks mm. a couple of years ago. And, uh, and then I got to meet, uh, I have a comedian friend, uh, Greg Proops is my is a big tubes fan and has been my friend for a long long time and he and drew carey are very close and drew carey they used to do whose line is it anyway remember right the improv show and drew carey uh every year has a end of the year cast party and a couple of years ago uh i he invited me to come with greg proofs to the party and Next door to Drew Carey is Eric Idle. Oh, wow. He lives next door. And Eric yeah. came to the party. And I I mean, I completely embarrassed myself. <laughs> I was like gushing, you know, oh my God, and Eric, I've been a I mean, I have I've watched every Monty Python episode. Uh -huh. I used to video every one. I have all of them on tape. And all who's and I used to watch uh the John Cleese show. What was it? Faulty Towers. Oh, right. And uh, and the Michael Palin show. And it all, I mean, I was completely hooked on Monty Python. And uh, I just 
was so embarrassing oh. for Eric. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> I didn't ask him for his autograph. I suppose, but, uh, oh, I bet he I enjoyed was, it. I just told him, oh, my, I was King Arthur in Spamalot, and I was so great, and blah, blah, blah. blah. And uh, he was very kind and, and uh, a really nice guy. And so I do act, and uh, I haven't for a couple of years. Because with COVID, every you know yeah. that place shut down, everything shut down, and now this year, as as we're getting back into it, we've got so many gigs lined up that uh, I don't have time because it pretty much takes a month. You have to go back there and rehearse for two weeks, and then do a play for two weeks. So it's yeah. pretty much a month that you've yeah. got to go back to, and it's in Augusta, Michigan. Augusta is like a, a little dinky town outside of Kalamazoo. I mean, there, I don't, I don't even think there's one stoplight in the whole town. Maybe it's stop sign, but I don't think there's one stoplight. But uh, it's the it's great. I mean, I really enjoy the stage, and you know, it's really it's my life. It's my life. Yeah. Well, Fee, we have run out of time. Uh, I know you need to get on to some other interviews in a short bit here, but we cannot thank you enough for being with us today. We both wish you the best with this upcoming tour. I know the fans are going to love it. Our listeners, if you are a fan, look for those dates in your area. Go to our website, thetubes.com. It's got all the information there and availability of tickets and we do a VIP meet and greet where people can come to the sound check and hang out and request songs and have photos and get t-shirts and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big, it's a great deal. We, we enjoy it. Well, again, thank you, Fee. We really appreciate you being on here. Best of luck to you. And I uh, hope you have right. a wonderful tour. Well, thank you, T-Bone. And thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me. All right. My pleasure. Take care. 